0: Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the least of these podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. You're going to be there. The Bible says the only way to be there is to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, we're not going to make it. Today, we're going to be back in John chapter 5, and we want to start looking at about verses 16. Remember, we've seen so far that, uh, that this book is about the seven key signs, the seven key miracles that John writes about and he says in many other signs, many other miracles Jesus did, but these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing you might have life in his name. And so the whole reason John writes this book is to let us know that if we don't trust Christ, we're not going to make it to heaven. And so he wants us to understand that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, the God and human flesh and we saw how he changed water into wine, how John the Baptist witnessed that he was the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world, how Nicodemus, the the greatest man in Israel, far as religious people, came to Nicodemus. I mean Nicodemus came to Jesus and he went away because he would not believe the truth that Jesus was to Christ, so he went away not going to heaven. Later on, we'll see he he actually does trust Christ, but he didn't this time. Then we see how Nicodemus came to him, but then Jesus goes to a woman at a well, a woman who had had five husbands and was living with a man. And so he goes to her to let us know that whether you're great or small or whoever you are, that the gospel is for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and the Greek but it's for everyone who believes. And then we saw how the Christ healed the nobleman's son in the end of chapter 4. And because the man believed His Word, he was healed. And then in the beginning of chapter 5, we see His next miracle. And he, He heals a paralytic man who'd been sick for 38 years. And the man really didn't need any faith. He didn't do anything. Jesus just said, Get up and walk You're well. And he is made well. And Jesus does this on the Sabbath. Does it to provoke a confrontation between the Pharisees and himself. Remember the Pharisees were the legalistic people. They were the ones that thought you could do something to get to heaven. That they thought they were going to work their way into heaven because they thought they were good enough. But Jesus said unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means make it into heaven. And the Bible says that the only way we get to true righteousness is when we believe that Jesus died in our place, died for our sins, and He puts in our bank account His righteousness because of our belief. And then when God looks down, He sees Christ's righteousness, not Marty's righteousness, not your righteousness. But then he forgives us because of what Jesus did on that cross because we believe. The man gets well. He walks off. He even tells the people, we don't know exactly why. We don't know if he was trying to get the focus off of him. Because, see, they're wanting to get mad with him because he's working on the Sabbath according to their rules. Remember, God made Ten Commandments. And then he made about 630 other laws that applied to the Jews. What happened was the Pharisees took the the law that, the one law that said you couldn't work on the Sabbath and they turned it into about 39 different laws. Then they took the, the Ten Commandments and they turned those into about another 630 rules and regulations that they made up. God didn't write them. God didn't make up those rules. God gave us the commandments and that was all He gave us. But they made up their own rules. They made up their own regulations. It was sort of like saying, let's just pretend the Bible says I can't touch this podium. Well, they would make a rule that would say so that you couldn't touch it, That well, you can't get within 10 feet of it. Because they were trying to basically make a rule that would stop them from touching the podium because if they got within a couple of feet, they might accidentally touch it, right? And so what they did was they made all these rules, all these regulations trying to keep stay far enough away from the law that they might not break the actual law. Does that make sense to you? It's like putting up a fence and another fence and another fence and another fence saying, well, I can't get over the 15th fence over here but I'm going to put up 10 more fences over here so I can't get to that one. They, they got crazy about it. They got silly about it. They didn't even understand the rules and the regulations they made up. Here they've made a rule that you can't carry a mat on the Sabbath. Well, guess what? They said that was work. They said you couldn't carry more than the weight of one dried fig or two half of dried figs on a Sunday. So this is being ridiculous. God has healed a man. They should be happy that this man who was sick has been made well. But instead, what do they do? They get mad. They get angry because their rules, their regulations, their power, their authority has been threatened. Jesus has done this purposely. And so as we get to verse 16 today, it says, or back up to verse 15, it says, "...the man departed and told the Jews..." that it was Jesus who made him well. And for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. So they wanted to kill Jesus because he had healed a man on the Sabbath. You know they actually had a rule that said uh, unless you knew somebody was going really going to die, you couldn't give them medicine on the Sabbath. That's for really They would just sit there and go, well, is he going to die or is he not going to die? Nobody knows that but God, right? If you did it and the man lived, then you sinned. If you gave it to him and didn't give it to him and he died, you say, oh, well, I should have given it to him, right? Either way, you couldn't win. And that's how crazy their rules were. But God never put those rules in place so that we couldn't minister to people. Remember God created the heavens and the earth and then on the seventh day, which was what he, he, they considered the Saturday, the Sabbath, was the day that the Jews were told to set aside because that was the day that God set aside because He rested. Not that He rested from holding earth together and the moon and the stars and everything in place because if God took His hand off all this, guess what would happen? It'd all go to pieces. It says over in Colossians chapter 1... That he holds it all together. By the, the word of his mouth, he holds it all together. And so if he were to take his hands off of it, it would all fall to pieces. Everything would go crazy. But these people have lost their minds. They All they care about is rules and regulations, their power, their authority. What he does here is he does this to upset them. He says here... But Jesus answered them. They must have been saying all kinds of things about Him and talking bad about Him and all kinds of things. And so Jesus answers all their accusations they're making against Him. Verse 17, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. So basically what Jesus does is He makes Himself equal With God the Father. Because he says, My Father has been working until now. And I have been working. See, God rested from his creation. He didn't rest from holding the world together and everything else. The Sabbath was supposed to be a day of rest and enjoyment. And enjoying what God has created. and, And glorifying God. And looking to him and saying, Wow, You know, how great you are, how awesome you are, God. It was never a day that was supposed to be set aside that said you couldn't do anything. Sit around the house and, you know, look at each other, stare at each other and do absolutely nothing. That was never the intention. The intention, the Bible says, is to praise God and to glorify Him forever. That's what we're created for. Here He is, He says, my Father has been working And I have been working. Basically, He says, the Father works on Sunday. Or excuse me, back then it had been Saturday. He says, my Father works on the Sabbath. And I'm working on the Sabbath. If if the Father can work on the Sabbath, and He's God, and I'm God, I can work on the Sabbath too. That's what Jesus says. And a lot of people say, well, Jesus never said He was God. But he very plainly says he is God because it says in verse 18, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath but also said that God was his Father making him equal with the Son. So Jesus is first of all equal with the Father in his person. Whatever God is, Jesus is. If God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus created the heavens and new earth. I mean, you could turn over to Colossians chapter 1, that verse I was just talking about a minute ago. I'm going to turn over there for just one second, just uh, read one verse for you. you, hear a couple of verses for you. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, This is Jesus they're talking about. all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him, all things consist. All things hold together because He holds it together, right? When you sing the song, He's got the whole world in His hands and He's got the whole world, the universe, and everything else in His hand. So Jesus says, I'm equal to God the Father in My person. When He called Him His Father, and then He's going to call Himself the Son here in a few minutes, we'll see that any good Son in Easter culture was considered an extension of the Father. In other words... If the father ran the, ran the business, remember the old days, I guess, when the, I guess I don't know if parents still expect their kids to do this or not, but, but if the dad was a jeweler or a banker or a blacksmith or whatever he was, what did he naturally do? Expect the son to grow up and be a jeweler or a banker or a blacksmith or whatever he was, right? Because any good son does what? follows in his father's footsteps. And if the father was a, you know, whatever, then the son's going to be a whatever because any good son does everything that the father does, right? And so that's what Jesus is saying. Whatever my father's doing, I'm doing because I'm a good son. And basically the Jews understood what he was saying because what does it say? Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. First they wanted to kill him, now they sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. You get that? And you can't say that anywhere that Jesus doesn't say that he's equal with God the Father. Because Jesus is God in human flesh. And we're gonna see that. He's first of all equal in his person. We're going to see in a minute He's equal in His works too. But look what He says in verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly... Remember that's that saying, Truly, truly, or verily, verily, or most assuredly. I don't know what your Bible says, but it says, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son does also. In like manner. There he says it again. Just what I said. That any good son does what the father's doing, right? If he's a banker, he becomes a banker. Well, here, the father is God. Jesus is God. And whatever the son sees the father doing, he's going to do it himself. So what he's saying here, secondly, is he says, I tell you the truth or most assuredly, the Son can do nothing of Himself. Secondly, He says that, that the Son is, what do you call it, subjugated to the Father. In other words, He has a, a role of if the Father tells Him to do it, what does He do? He does it, right? Remember Jesus said over and over and over again in the Bible, I don't do anything unless my Father tells me to do it. He says, I don't say anything unless my Father says, tells me to say it. And what was the prayer he prayed right before he went to the cross and the garden? He said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but thy will be done, right? What he says is, I'm not going to do anything that my Father doesn't approve. So remember when Jesus was here on earth. We talked about this in the past in Philippians 2. That God the Father basically took on the role... Of telling him what to do. And then God the Holy Spirit told him... Actually delivered the instructions to Jesus. And then Jesus did whatever he was told. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are the three in one God. I don't know how to explain that. We call ourselves a body, a soul, and a spirit. We call ourselves me, myself, and I sometimes... We're a three-part being. we made up a body, we're made up of a soul, and we're made up of a spirit. The bottom line is, is we're a three-part being just like God is. But I'm not three people, I'm just one. But I'm made up of three distinctive natures. And just as I have three distinctive natures, you have three distinctive natures, so does God. That's the best I can explain it. I don't know how to explain it. All I know is the world and everything that we live in is broken down into three parts, right? There's gases, solids, and liquids. There's time, space, and time, space, and matter. There's length, width, and depth. There's all kinds of things, but all of them are three parts. I don't know. We've got a sun and a moon and an earth. I don't know. But God has made up many things in three parts. Because he's a three-part being. Here, we see the fact that Jesus is basically saying, I'm not going to do anything unless my Father tells me to do it. Because basically, the Father has the role of telling the Son what to do, right? That's the way it is in earth, and that's the way it is in heaven. So he says, but whatever he sees the Father do, The son also does. He says, so whatever my father's doing, I'm going to do it. If he works on Sunday, or excuse me, I keep saying Sunday, but if he works on the Sabbath, I'm going to work on the Sabbath. If he works seven days a week, I'm going to work seven days a week. Isn't that what the father does? He's always holding everything together. He's always working. God never rests. Remember, the Bible says that the Sabbath was not made for God but the Sabbath was made for man. Because I don't know about you, have you ever tried to work seven days a week for very long? It doesn't work. You know, they've tried it in some other countries. They've tried doing those things. And you know what happens? People start getting sick a lot. They, they produce less than if they'd only been working six days a week. I remember one time I had to and I worked for about a month straight 12 hours a day, 7 days a week and by the end of the month I was about useless. I was totally brain dead. I didn't know whether I was coming, going, already when or anything else. The Bible tells us that we need a rest and there's a reason we rest. It's because God set that one day aside for us to glorify and honor Him and to set that time aside to rest for us not for him ultimately but for us we need it we need to reflect on god we need to realize who he is we need to take that time and set it aside but god doesn't god's always working so he says in verse 20 for the father loves the son so second of all he says here that the father loves the son you know he has a special relationship with the Son. And He shows Him all things that He Himself does. And He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. So not only is He equal with God, but because He's equal with God, He's the Son of God, He has a special relationship with God, right? I mean, God loves the Son and the Son loves the Father. Just remember, they love each other. Uh, the whole reason God wants us all to get along is because God is a three-part being, yet you see none of them fighting for the leadership. You see none of them fighting for a particular role. Whatever role they're in, they do it perfectly. They're always in agreement. They're always together on whatever thing is supposed to be happening. And that's what God wants us to do in life. Is He wants us to reflect the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. To always, as the church, be in perfect agreement. To Necessarily, we don't have to agree on everything, but we don't fight over it. We especially don't fight over one of us having first place and this one having second and third and all kinds of things. But that's what we do so much. But that's not what the Father wants us to do. He wants us to love each other just as... They have a special love relationship. And he says he shows him all things that he himself does. If you really love somebody, you don't hide nothing from them, do you? You don't hide anything from them. And so he says, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So he says, you think this is a great work that I healed a guy that was laying beside a pool for 38 years and was sick? Wait and you to see some of the works that we're going to do down the road. <laughs> What's he going to do? He's going to heal Lazarus, who's dead. He's going to bring him back to life. He says, "For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will." So, guess what? Jesus is not only equal to the Father in person. But He's also equal in His works. Everything the Father can do, the Son can do, right? He says the Father can raise the dead and give life to him. Even so, the Son is going to give life to whomever He will. So basically, He says, not only am I equal with His works, I have the same power as God does and I have the same sovereignty. You know what sovereignty is, right? To do what He wants to do. That's what He says. And the Son gives life to whom He will. So He has the right to give life to whomever He will. That's why some of us get sick and people pray and and God heals us. Some of us get sick and we go on to heaven or we pass on out of this earth because God has a plan and a purpose for every single thing He does. Let's move on to verse 22. Now, for the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Father, the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. So here's another one. He says, the Father judges no one. And you say, wait a minute, I thought the Bible says that God judges righteously. Well, He does. But guess what? Jesus is God too, right? But you know, the Bible says that that God has committed all judgment unto the Son. Because Jesus died on the cross and died in our place and died for our sins, guess what? The Bible says in Philippians 2 back to that same passage that I referred to a minute ago about how Jesus took authority from the Father. He listened to the Father and then the Spirit gave Him direction. It also says that it because He has has made Himself lower than, than man and He has humbled Himself and become obedient to death, even the death of the cross, that God has highly exalted Him and given Him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, because... Jesus came down to earth and died on that cross for our sins. He is the one that we look to for our salvation. He is the one that one day that every knee is going to bow to and every tongue is going to confess that He's Lord to the glory of the Father. See, ultimately the Father gets the glory, but the Father gets the glory because of who? Because the Son's glorified, right? And that's what He's going to say here. That because Jesus died in our place and died for our sins, everybody that rejects Jesus and doesn't believe on Him is the only way to get to heaven. Then they will be rejected by the Father because the Son rejects them. And that what He says in the next verse: that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. But there's many, many people out there today that say. Well, Jesus isn't God and He's just a man. He's a prophet. He's a good man. And some of these people come to your doors and they say, well, yeah, Jesus is, but there's a newer prophet. There's new revelation. There's this and that and the other. And it's all a bunch of baloney because the Bible says that Jesus is the one who died for our sin. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer, right? So He's the one that bore all our sins and all our griefs. And it says that if you don't honor the Son, you're not honoring the Father. So you can't get to the Father, what did Jesus say? No man gets to the Father but by me. So if you want to get to heaven and get to God the Father, you've got to go through the Son. And if you haven't asked God to forgive you on the basis of what the Son did on that cross, He died in your place and He died for your sins and there's nothing you can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But if you just believe that He did that and trust in Him and ask Him to forgive you and save you and take you to heaven because of that, He says, I will. But if you don't believe that that was sufficient, you believe you gotta be baptized, or you gotta take communion, or you gotta do good works, or you gotta do that and join the church, or you gotta do that and something else, then that the Bible says you're not honoring the Son. Because he says that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent me. So basically Jesus is also equal in honor and He's equal in judgment. Because see, if He's God and you don't honor Him like you honor the Father, then what have you done? You've spoken basically badly about, a, about a, the Father, right? It's, if you talk bad about somebody's kid in front of the Father, guess what? you dishonor that Father, right? I mean, have you ever known anybody... This is always funny... People can always, in their family, they can always say, talk about their brother, their sister, their uncle, their daddy, their cousin, or whoever it is. but well, boy, don't you ever make a mistake of opening your mouth and saying something about them. Because as soon as you say something and agree with them, then guess what? Don't you talk about my daddy that way. Don't you talk about my cousin. Don't you talk about... It. not that the way it is? But see, that's the way it really is. If we honor... The Father, we really want to honor the Father. We're going to honor the Son, Jesus. Because Jesus, the Bible says, what we just read, he is the image of the invisible God. What is an image? An image is something we can see, right? God is spirit. God put Jesus in a human body, he came down to earth as a human. And we'll see later on, he says he's the Son of Man. Just as he was an extension of the Father, he's an extension of man. Because if he had not come as man, he could not have died on the cross for our sins. He could not have died in our place. Because somebody had to die for my sins. Somebody had to die for your sins, and yours, and yours, and yours. And if Jesus hadn't died for our sins, then there's no way we could ever get to heaven. Because the Bible says there's none righteous. No, not one. And that's what He says in verse 24, "...Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears My word and believes in Him who sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life." If you believe that Jesus is who He said He is, that He's God in human flesh, that He died in our place, He died for our sins, there's nothing we can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But as the old song says, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed me white as snow. And if you believe that then, and have asked God to forgive you, then you've honored the Father. You've honored the Son. And because of that, you're going to make it to heaven. Because you you've pat- you won't be judged for your sins. Because Jesus took that judgment on the cross. Right before He died, He said, It is finished. Your debt has been paid in full. He was talking about our sin debt. Today, if you've not trusted Jesus, if you've not asked God to forgive you because of what Jesus did on that cross, you're not going to get to heaven by works. The Bible says you're saved by grace. Grace is giving us something we don't deserve. He said, through faith, faith is the vehicle by which you believe. Faith is just taking God at His Word. You are saved by grace. Through faith, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 9. There's nothing you can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it, but Jesus paid it all. And if you'll believe on Him and trust in Him and ask Him to forgive you on that basis today, you're going to make it to heaven. And if not, you're not going to make it to heaven. You're going to go to that awful place called hell. And God said He didn't want anybody to go there. But He came so that we might have life and life abundantly. We might have joy and we might have peace. He said He's long-suffering, patient, not willing that any should perish. But all should come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you cry out today and just say, Lord Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. And you take God at His Word that whoever calls on Him shall be saved. He said it. You believe it. That's what faith is, right? And you ask Him to do that. And if you do that today, if you've not done that, He will forgive you and He will save you. Lord Jesus, this is a tough message and. For some reason or other, like Nicodemus, we all, for some reason or other, because of our human pride and our dignity, we're like the Pharisees. We think that there's something we can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But you said that it's not of works, lest anyone should boast. That when we get to heaven, it's not going to be about us saying, well, I did this and this and this to get to heaven. But we're going to say, oh Lord, I was such a, a sinner and, and you died on that cross for my sins and you died in my place and the whole reason we do it is that you might be glorified so father i pray if there's even one today that doesn't know you that they would cry out and say lord jesus save me i'm a sinner because you said whoever does that and believes that you heard them will be forgiven we'll go to heaven Father, we thank You that You sent Jesus. When there was no way to get to heaven, You sent Your Son to die on the cross. And because He died on that cross, we can have life. And we can pass from death into everlasting life and out of judgment. Father, we thank You that You did that for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're going to sing, since I said quoted the song, we may as well sing, Jesus Pay It On.